0: So, I'm just gonna read Hebrews 12. I'm gonna read Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Again, this is in the AMP, I call it the AMP because they call it the Amplified Bible. I think it was in the latter 50s, maybe early 60s that they came up with this translation. And basically what they did was they took a lot of so-called Greek scholars, a bunch of names that you see on the bottom there and, and God using men like he does. It's kind of interesting. Uh, to give us an understanding in in the Hebrew and Greek in in a basic way, but a very good way, but still uh, basic. So, what was I going to turn to? Hebrews 12, see? Thank you. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Verse 1 says, Therefore, and the therefore goes back to Hebrews the 11th chapter. Okay, so it's, it's really, really 12.1 uh, is a part of 11.1 1 through 40. So therefore, the therefore really even goes here. Therefore, even before we get any of those testimonies or those witnesses, the therefore is this in 11.1 1 of Hebrews. Now faith is what is the assurance, right? The substance, the confirmation, the title deed, the title deed of things we hope for, and what kind of what is hope here? Is guarantee right for being for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact that which is not revealed to what the senses right to the senses. So when it says therefore what it's what it's showing in these verses again in verse two for by faith which is trust and holy fervor, born of faith, and faith is what? It's absolute, complete, total dependence upon who Christ is and what he's accomplished, right? For by faith, the men of old had divine testimony born to them and obtained a good report. They had a good report, right? So that's what it's saying. So the therefore is showing you, and all those other men and women, they became, they became the witnesses, and they had a godly testimony of the reality of dependence in Christ and what it accomplished. Okay. That is all the way down here in, in 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and what is a witness? What do they have? What does a witness have? If they appear in court, what do they have? What are they giving? A testimony a testimony of facts that they have seen, right? Who have borne testimony to what? The truth. In the Amplified, you'll see that word capitalized because it is literally referring to Christ. So because of that, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance and unnecessary what? Weight. And because if we don't, what does it lead to? that sin which so readily and deftly and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patient endurance. Ooh, that's interesting, right? Patient endurance. How many remember, again, the two Greek words for the word patience? Yeah? hope money. Macrothumia. And what do those two words deal with? How in in whatever way that we relate to God and whatever way that we relate to each other, do these two words of that one word patience have to do with how we relate to one another? Okay, how many remember, okay, so Hoopamoni deals with circumstances and situations. In every circumstance and situation, right, what is God teaching us? He's teaching us dependence, but for us to be dependent and, and to give our wills over, what is he teaching us first? We must be patient, right? And isn't it love that teaches patience? Where does patience come from? The natural man, natural thinking? It doesn't. It doesn't come from that. Where does it come from? From who God is, and God is love. So that's what he's teaching us, right? Let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, because if we don't, what? It's sin that entangles us, and let us run with patient endurance. What is It, Yeah, it's long suffering, long, stretched out, right? Patience. What is patience? What kind of a race are we in? 50 yard dash, 100? What are we in? Marathon. We're in a marathon, right? We're in a marathon. But are we running separate from each other in this race? Nope. We're all running with one mind and we have one prize in mind. And who is that? That's Christ. That's what we have, all of us. So here it says we have that patient endurance. So macrothumia is what? It's dealing, it's, it's bearing up under negative evil people that constantly come against us, right? Do we have, do we have thoughts that come towards us individually? that are evil and they are and they are and that's why again that's why we need prayer if you look at Ephesians the 6th chapter verses 10 through 17 you're going to see where Paul in 18 and 19 said listen pray we need prayer you can put all the armor on in which necessary you can have all that armor and all that armor is is defense even the shield which is all the truths about who Christ is in his person and what he's accomplished. All those truths. And, and then you can have the sword. Huh? It's very offensive. Cutting things out that don't belong. Right? But without prayer, without prayer, do you go forward. There's no going forward. That's what he has to work into us in patience because prayer is always teaching dependence. Something that's absolutely necessary. So it says here in verse two, looking away from all that will what? Distract. What distracts us? What distracts people? What distracts us individually? Remember what we said and we were sharing these things? For instance, in this particular portion here, what we see here is If I don't have God's order, his precise mind, and proper thinking, then what will my thoughts be? What were they? Random. Random Random thoughts. Here's random again. Random. It's preceding something that's made or occurring without definite aim. There's no definition, no purpose, no reason, and no pattern. It is always characterizing a process of selection. In other words, in the natural mind, do we choose what will fit what we think will fit us in the natural and use the word to do it? Any of us will in the flesh, correct? So but what we'll do is we will have this process. instead of a process of growth and grace and knowledge, what we what we enter into is random thinking which characterizes a process of selection <laughs> we're going to select certain areas in which each item or set of thoughts and emotions has an equal probability of being what chosen boy we're left with choices aren't we but what is random thinking what is the as we've been taught, what is random thinking? It's unknown, or unidentified, or suspicious, out of place, odd, unpredictable, and unreliable thinking. And where does that come from? Comes from the enemy, comes from the enemy. I think, again, it's very interesting. It's very interesting what it says here. You can always tell when we operate, can't you? When we all operate, what keeps lo- love flowing in the, mix, in the midst of conflict? In a, in a local assembly, what keeps that flowing? Does anybody remember? Yeah, it's forgiveness. It is forgiveness, right? That's why it says this. Ultimately... Because if we're going to be transparent with God, and we're going to function in the right relationship, how's the only way we can function? In our relationships with each other, how do we function, right? Because look what it says. This is Isaiah 3, right? In verse 8, it says, and, and here's the type, for Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen. You can always see... And, and someone's countenance when ruin is there, and they're just they are fallen in attitude, in, in their in their place because their speech and deeds are against the Lord, to provoke the eyes of his glory and to defy his glorious presence. His verse nine, their respecting of persons and showing of partiality, witness against them. They pro- boy, they proclaim their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil as a reward to themselves. So in other words, what it's saying is their own countenance, right? Their own countenance testifies against them. What does that mean? Their own countenance testifies that they're opposing themselves. They're actually opposing themselves, right? Through what kind of thinking? Random thinking, random thoughts. Random thoughts. What always will allow us to be brought to a place where we can be reconciled with each other? In every single area, what is that? It's forgiveness. Is there any experiential rec- reconciliation in terms of reality about what our position is in Christ? If we fail, we don't have that experience, right? Then, then what do I have? Do I even have security? Am I even secure? I'm not secure at all. I'm not secure, so instead of wavering and being blown blown around, it's very interesting. What do we experience? What's God want us to experience constantly? Right? Yeah, it, it, the peace that we have, right? The peace that we have. Okay, but if we don't and we don't have His thoughts, what do we live in? We live in failure. And we either live in failure, experientially, or Christ. All of us, correct? And then what do we have? Remember we shared these verses? Here's uh, Psalm 13, verse three and four, it says, "'Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lighten the eyes of my faith, to behold your faith face in the pitch-like darkness, lest I sleep the sleep of death.' Verse 4 says, Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am shaken. Do you remember that? Those verses that we shared recently in Psalm 46. You remember what that says? Psalm 46? Verse 1 it says, God is our what? He's our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable to temptation. A very present and well-proved help in trouble. Therefore, we will not what? Fear. What is fear the opposite of? And is there trust, experiential trust, without experiential love? No. So, what is the, uh, what is the opposite? So you have God against what? God who is love against what? Fear. So therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains be shaken within the midst of the seas, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling and tumult. And we said this, Selah, pause and calmly think of that because there's a river whose streams will make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Now, this is speaking of, of course, in in type. This is speaking of God in Jerusalem in the midst of her. But for us, we have Christ in us, right? So God is in the midst of her. And when it says God is in the midst of her with Jerusalem, this is our truth. Okay, God is in the midst of Jerusalem. In other words, he, he, through Christ, eventually during the millennial reign, he will dwell and rule over them as their prophet, priest, and king. Do we have all of that in Christ now as his heavenly people? Do we have it? We have that right now. And so here's what happens with us. Here's our place. This is Colossians 3, verse 1. It says here, if then, and remember what the if is. It's a first class fulfilled condition. Isn't that right? Is that right? If then, and you are, risen with Christ to what? What's a new life? What makes up a new life? It's new power. New thought life. Brand new, right? To a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Here's what it says. This is what keeps random thinking out. This is honestly too also what keeps forgiveness flowing for us as individuals with God, right? So in other words, if I am so readily able through supernatural ability that the love that God gives me in my experience to forgive you and you to forgive me, that just is revelation, it's a revelation and manifestation that I'm in a right relationship with God through Christ. And so in verse 2, it says, set your minds and keep them set on what is above the higher things, not on things that are on the earth. Why? Not on things that are on the earth. Well, here's Psalm 46 again. Here's what's going to be happening on the earth. Therefore, you and I right now where we are will not fear. Though the earth should change and though the mountains be shaken into the midst of the seas, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its its swelling and tumult, we can be calm because we have a river right in the midst of it. And that river is the Holy Spirit who takes the things of Christ and continues to show them unto us. Because God, like he's going to be and will be through Christ in Jerusalem, sitting on a literal throne, with you and I married to him and ruling and reigning over angels and every people group that there is, God will be in the midst of her. And as a result, she won't be moved. She will not be moved. Remember, to be moved, we said that Hebrew word was mot, M-O-W-T, moat. and we won't ever slip. Of course, and we won't slip when he's our security. When we do, what do we do? We name it, confess it, we do, and we just get right back on. Thank God. You know, in, all, in every area that we fail, when we do, we never start over again. Never. We start right from that point and go forward because he's waiting to be gracious in Isaiah 30, verse 18. So, like the earth and all those that function under the prince and power of the air... They're going to be, they're going to slip, they're going to be carried away, they're going to, they're going to be fallen down, they're going to be exceedingly ready for a fall if they haven't already fallen. And this has to do with these random things, these thoughts. Because even this verb in the original Hebrew, this verb, it occurs as a figure of speech. And speech has to do with what? Thought. And it's always referring to what? great insecurity. That's random thinking. Great insecurity. Great insecurity. But it can also denote, in a very beautiful positive sense, dependability and certainty. Remember we said faith is the substance, the title deed of things hoped for? The certain settled evidence that's perceived by faith obedience never to the natural eyes, never to natural thinking, never to random thinking. But is it secure? Is it immovable? It's is, Listen, we are in him, in a proper experience, as immovable as he is. Because <laughs> he's our foundation in Matthew 16, 18, and in 1 Corinthians 3, 10, and 11. But this word can also, in the negative sense that we just said, but in the positive sense, denote dependability. And when we're dependent on him, what do we function in? Certainty. Only, though when the will is given over to god we say no to that random no to those random thinking no to those random thoughts we are going to function in in the hebrew calls this hased hased uh, is it's it's spelled c h e s e d hased it's pronounced you don't pronounce the c <laughs> hased wow i said it right said, You know what this speaks of? Loyalty. Faithfulness. The steadfast, unchanging, immutable, loving kindness of God towards you and I. It is God's unfailing, steadfast love that always goes beyond our natural ability. That's why we must completely depend on it. It just goes beyond our ability. Even in Ephesians 3.19, it says His love passes knowledge. I mean, everything He's teaching us, He's teaching us from who He is. And who is He? God is love, right? And everything else, everything else might fail but, and fall off eventually, but does love in 1 Corinthians 13.8? No. This speaks of the vastness and completeness of God's unfailing love and reveals and emphasizes the unchanging character of God in each individual in Christ in their proper image. When we function in that, we are immovable. We become immovable. And he takes away those random thoughts from the enemy that create distance in our experience from God's way, his word, and his will. He, and why? And this is the reality. We're going to close this very soon this morning. God loves us in his unchanging faithfulness. Do you know why? He loves us in his unchanging faithfulness to himself. <laughs> God has invested himself in each of us. Can't fail, cannot fail. He has invested himself, he's invested himself. He's invested his very glory. I mean, honestly, you know, when we receive something we don't deserve, which is grace, it actually glorifies him. That's why it's, it's crazy to think that I'm operating in humility by saying, I'm not worthy, I can't do that, I can't receive it. It's, that's pride, it's the opposite. <laughs> you know? How instant is his love? How instant does it flow? Even when I fail and I confess it, how instant does his love flow for me? I mean instantly. What kind of love should we love each other with? And he's teaching us. What kind of love does he love us with? It's instant love. He's he's waiting in our experience to be gracious the way he's already met us in our position in Christ. So... What do we have? We have God's love towards us and his unchanging faithfulness. It has to do with himself. What do do we mean by that? Remember in Genesis 22 and verse 8 when Isaac, strong, young, strong, not little baby Isaac. He wasn't carrying a little baby boy up there, I'll tell you that. He was, strong Isaac was going up there with old dad because you remember when he got Isaac, how old was he? He was 100. (laughs) He wasn't carrying a little baby up there at that point. They both agreed. But he did. His question question was, was based upon some facts. But there was a little doubt mixed with that. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to mix a little bit of doubt with the certainty of facts. And when we do, okay, when we do, that is the corruption of his love for us. If he can mix a little bit of doubt if he can do that. You know, thank God, thank God that we don't know one another after the flesh. Because if we do, boy, I'll tell you, I gotta be there first before I know you, <laughs> right? We're gonna make these adjustments. The only way we can make these adjustments is through grace. It's the only way possible for us. And so what we see again here is that, that's when, he, that's when Abraham said to Isaac, He said, my son, God will provide himself with a lamb. Now, God had to provide for himself before he would ever provide for us in an unchangeable way. (laughs) That's why it doesn't fail. That's why everything about us, everything about us does not fail, okay? But all it does, all he desires to do is to continually enrich us in the light of that same love life that he has made each individual's. You know what this does away with? Questionings. Questionings. It does away with suspicion. That's why it's good to be, when we're weak and we're fair, we need to be transparent with each other. If we have issues with each other, we should go to who? First, God, and then go to each other alone. in transparency and love, right? To go in love, because is there going to be, is there going to be confrontation and conflict in relationship? Yeah, but is even the conflict, the battle, isn't that the Lord's? When we battle with random thoughts, you know what the enemy's done? He's got us into a battle with him because the battle is the Lord's, see? And he convinces us of random thinking with that there's some kind of power in these random thinkings, but he has been robbed of all his power in Hebrews two fourteen and 15. How does he operate? Through wiles in Ephesians six eleven. His method is only lies. Random thinking, these lies. So it's these questionings that he wants to get us in. And what are they based upon? Stupid, yeah, I said it, stupid, evil lies. To th- come on, to think that we don't love each other. To think that God hasn't established that in our hearts. Come on. To to think any other way. It just means that we just, it would just mean we would have to deal with issues with each other, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Are they already dealt with positionally? How about our experience, though? If my experience is right, it's based upon grace and truth. If it's not, what is it based upon? What do we have to do that hasn't already been done in our relationships by Christ? What do we have to do? Well, we just need to be transparent. Come on just love each other. There's no battle. Is there a battle that we're fighting? Are we more than a conqueror in him? In Romans 8, 37. I I can tell you this and tell you this right now. Listen, there's no question about it. I love every single person here. I can't even express it. I love every single person in Texas the same way. I can't even express how much I do, how much I love them. Yes, God is my, it's not respecter of anybody. It's not. Because if it is, it's not God. It's based on a lie. I love every single person here. And just as much as he, he's in control of my life, he's in control of yours. He is. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing, even in the midst of the storm. And I am going to tell you, the storm, even when they were on that lake with Jesus in Luke the 8th chapter, it was the enemy that whipped up that storm. They took in by sight that storm. And what were their thoughts instantly? Fear, you know, fear and insecurity, deep insecurity. And then they had to wake him up. It's like us trying to wake God up with our prayers, like he's sleeping on us. I don't know, if you read Psalm one hundred and twenty-one, you know he doesn't sleep, he doesn't slumber, he doesn't sleep on us, you know, he doesn't. But the enemy wants us to sleep, in our experience does, he does. But the, the reality is this: the reality is this. Listen, that God is love. He's our proper memory. Did you, did, you hear, did we hear that? Huh? Memory, was there failure? Is that who we are? Is that our proper memory? It's not. It's not at all. We have a proper memory. We have a proper image. And we have proper reflection. Now, reflection just simply means that I have a clean, pure conscience and memory. Instant. (laughs) Instant. Instant grace, instant forgiveness, instant love, instant oneness. Instant going forward, instant going forward with a memory, our constant memory and a cleansed conscience is constantly telling us that he's in us, he's never going to leave us, never going to forsake us in Hebrews thirteen five, Joshua 1, 5 and countless other scriptures and being in us, he's what? For us. And we're more than conquerors in our love for each other in our oneness for each other, no matter what he tries. And what are we, all of us in ourselves? We're weak, we are. We're suspect, not, God's not suspicious about us, he's not. But we can, we're, so, we're so vulnerable, we're so vulnerable, right? We're, we're, and we're so weak, we're so liable, liable even the strongest of men, can hurt just as deeply as anybody else. okay? who you are. And we can be a professional and hide it. A professional what? Liar. <laughs> to say that we're never, <laughs> never going to get hurt. But even hurt is another, it's just an opportunity and manifestation to experience his love for us. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, listen. It's like When you can get two believers separated, when you can get two believers separated, we need the spiritual welder, right? The spiritual welder. You get two of these enemies trying to come in and separate two individuals. And what do we need? We need the spiritual who? The spiritual welder. And you know what he does? You know what he does? He welds those two and they become even stronger. When the enemy was coming against you and i no one can stop god nobody can stop god i'm not interested any longer i'm going to tell you that right now i ain't interested no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let that so-and-so get me into a battle with random thoughts thinking that I have to do something. Because all those, wrong, all those random thoughts, all they do, is the, as we do, and when that happens, is we allow the enemy to use those random thoughts to oppose ourselves in this spiritual battle. No wonder, and I'm gonna close with this, Just I'm just gonna read these last two, and they can speak to us. Here is James. There's James, and I'm going to read James chapter 4. And again, this is in the AMP. It does a fairly, fairly decent job of the original I, I, in terms of just laying a foundation. So if you ever, ever wanted to study and, and you needed something to help you, the Amplified Bible would help you very, very much, more so than a lot of these so-called translations that are out. James chapter 4, verse 1 says, What leads to strife? discord and feuds and how do conflicts quarrels and fightings originate among you do they not arise from your central desires that are ever warring warring, notice that in your bodily members war random thoughts getting us into a battle you are jealous and covet what others have and your desire desires go unfulfilled now this is every one of us in the flesh but not who we are We're not this. We're not. We're in Christ. So you become what? Murderers. To hate is to murder as far as your hearts are concerned. You burn with envy and anger and are not able to obtain the gratification, the contentment, and the happiness that you seek. So you fight and war. You do not have because you do not what? Is that prayer? Is that, just, is that just praying for ourselves? I'll tell you where prayer starts. It starts with the individual man as an initiator. It starts with him and his wife. Then it starts for his local assembly. Forever it goes anywhere else. That's God's order. You fight in war because you do not ask, or you do ask. God for them, and yet failed to receive. Why? Because you asked with, with wrong purpose and evil. Remember how it says wrong purpose and evil? Remember way back, those random thinkings that fallen man thinks of? In Genesis 6, 5, God said the th- the the whole thought, purpose, and desires, and design, and plans of man in their random thinking, apart from Christ, is only what? Continually. Evil. Genesis 6, 5, Rome, uh, Genesis 8, verse 21. It's only evil, right? So you ask with wrong purpose, are we being conformed in Romans 8, 28, and being conformed to Christ through proper thinking? If we're not, what are we? We have wrong purpose as a result, evil, selfish motives. Your intention is when you get what you desire to spend it in sensual pleasures. Okay, sensual, it's not just a sexual thing. Sensual, it's the whole thing. Read James, the third chapter. And, and boy, you'll see the correlation. Okay? You are like unfaithful wives. Say so They say it right here, because in the original, King James, it says, in James 4, 4, you adulterers and adulteresses, in the original Koine Greek New Testament, in many different editions that I could quote, it is adulterous, Adul- adulteresses. Okay, because we're married to Christ with thinking, right? So before you do a, a physical sin, or even in a physical way, before a man goes out and cheats on his wife, physically, has it already happened in the thought life? Yeah, random thinking. You are like unfaithful wives, having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to who? God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? Are we each other's enemy? <laughs> are we? Come on. Gosh. <laughs> since when did any other believer in Christ, I don't care where they are, I don't care how they fail, I could care, since when are they our enemy? If they're even one, still one in that body. And I used to hear things like, you know, you, if you leave here, you leave the body. Can't do that. You didn't earn your way in, you ain't getting your way out, thank God. (laughs) You are like unfaithful wives having illicit love affairs with the world, breaking a marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? Right. What's the enemy that's in us that we're not of in Romans 8, 7? It's the flesh. Strong, settled feelings of hatred. Listen, when you and I function in the flesh with each other, I tell you, the only way we function towards each other is in absolute hatred based upon evil thinking and no question about it there's no there's no gray areas it's either it's either black or white it's either light or darkness so whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of god or do you suppose that the scripture is speaking to no purpose that says the spirit whom he has caused to dwell in us yearns over and yearns and he yearns for the spirit to be welcomed with a jealous love you see that? Again, it quotes it, Jeremiah 3, verse 14, and, and Hosea 2, verse 19. Well, here's verse 6. But he gives us more and more grace, power of the Holy Spirit, to meet this evil tendency in all others fully. That is why he says God sets himself against the proud and haughty. But, separated, and they don't say it here, but this is a contrasting conjunction. Here's the contrast, God in the flesh. Right? And here's a separation. But, gives grace continually to the lowly, those who are humble enough to receive it. Okay. To be subject to God. So, be subject to God. Be submitted to God. And in that way, resist the devil, stand firm against him, he will flee from you. You put God, you put Christ between you and the enemy between you and the lies, between you and the random thinking, between you and the battle you're involved with that even makes those that are closest to you will somehow become your enemies. And I want to make this clear by no means anybody leaving here, God causes a distraction. I'm going to make that crystal clear. You're not a distraction, you're, you're a person that I love deeply, deeply. And there's no question about it. I may have to learn certain things, <laughs> and I may function in things that I'm not even aware of that may need definition. <laughs> and look, I'm yeah. I, I listen. You know what we all have in common. And honestly, it's the same commonality. You know what we all have in common. I don't care where we are in our spiritual, gracious, humble growth. I don't care where we are. Every The two things that we have that are exactly the same in Christ, not in terms of experience, because we're growing. I'll tell you what we have. Okay? We have weakness, and we have Christ. (laughs) Period. My weakness, my weakness is, is just as weak as yours. Yours is just as weak as mine. That makes me, when I don't function in Christ, just as vulnerable to random evil thinking just as much as you folks. But but the truth of the matter is, thank God, thank God, that the distance that Christ has removed in our position in the oneness that we are in him, he desires to do and fill up those areas with himself to keep out distance from each other. Isn't that awesome? I am so excited. I really am. And my, but my excitement is an absolute rest in his love for me and his rest in his love for you. He knows his plan fully. And you can look at me, I don't, but I know he does. I know he does. And this I know is God is my judge. When I function in him, I want to make it clear no man, no woman leads me. He does. I say that in humility and brokenness and absolute submission to his headship over me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Isn't that great? Isn't this beautiful? In Jesus' name.